0: Hey everyone, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. This is Andrew Patterson. A a bit of a strange show today um, because we started off having our usual laughs and getting ready for the hockey game tonight between the Jets and the Ducks and talking about the bomber tickets going on sale and a bunch of football topics. And as we were going through the first hour, uh, the reports on the uh, Chicago Blackhawks investigation came out, which of course sort of dominated the story for the rest of the day um, as well as the mentioning of jets general manager kevin Cheveldayoff and panthers head coach joel quenville with being in the initial meeting so uh, i just wanted to put this on at the beginning of the podcast to let you know if you're looking for that it's probably about 45 50 minutes into the program where we really get into it with dennis bernstein um, you can check the time codes in the description to get there um, Because, of course, once that broke, that really was the story of the day. And we continued with that topic pretty much right through till the end of the program. Hard to really talk about the game tonight when uh, all of that was breaking. So I just wanted to let you know it was a very different show than we normally do on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And um, we sort of get into the Hawk story after mo cons on with us in and around as i said 40 45 minutes if you want the exact time check the description it's all there for you though thanks again for making winnipeg sports talk a part of your day and uh, we'll be back live on youtube tomorrow at one o'clock and the podcast will be up in and around 3 3 for you in the drive home thanks again
1: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson
0: and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another afternoon on the WST channel. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus with you. And uh, it is a game day. Jets playing a late one tonight back on the West Coast against Cal- uh, the, uh, the. Are these their new California rivals, the Anaheim Ducks? Three games so far. Finishing up the season series tonight. Uh, another matchup potentially. wait to hear confirmed starting goalies between the two front runners for the U.S. starting position at the Beijing Olympics, Winnipeg's Connor Hellebuck and Anaheim's John Gibson. We're going to head to SoCal a little later on in the program, get the latest on the Ducks and talk about a lot of NHL news breaking around the league with Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. And before that, going to check in in Montreal. Our boy Mo Khan, he's going to drop. Uh, we'll get to CFL trade news, probably talk a little NFL with him, and check in on a couple former Winnipeg Jets that were a big part of the Habs' first win of the season. Of course, I'm talking about Matthew Perreault, who had the hat trick, and Sammy Niku getting in the lineup as well, albeit a very tough start for the Montreal Canadiens overall. Habs in Seattle to take on the Kraken tonight. Um, So definitely a lot to get to. And the other big story, which we'll be following literally by the minute, if you're with us live on YouTube right now, uh, the results of the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks alleged cover up of the uh, sexual assault on their players back from 2015 is going to be released potentially in the next few minutes. So we'll be all over that. And uh, we'll talk about that with Dennis as well. A little bit later on, as we get going and welcome in Michael Remus. I want to thank all of our sponsors that make this show happen every day, including princess auto cool bet, Canada, not auto corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ group, Canadian club, whiskey, Boston pizza, little Brown jug, our friends at Royal sports, Manitoba battery, and our newest sponsor, Culligan water. Let's get Remus in here to get things going. And, uh, Remo, we've got a game tonight, but man, all you do, need to do is check your social media feeds right now, and the entire hockey world awaiting official word on what's coming out of this investigation with the Chicago Blackhawks, as that team is an absolute
2: dumpster fire on and off the ice right now. Yes, uh, thanks for having me here. Happy to be be back here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, and we, we are counting down to the Jets, Ducks, but I mean, you've kind of seen... The ducks quite a bit this year i mean did the jets play any other teams this <laughs> month but the big story as you said the hockey world focused on right now chicago blackhawks 1 p.m uh, which was a couple minutes ago they are releasing the findings from the investigation into the alleged sexual assaults we're hearing rumors of uh firing they're having the briefing about uh the investigation so we'll we'll stay tuned i don't know what much much more we can add, except it was—I uh, mean—pretty gross situation. We discussed it over the summer, and it appears that um, you know some action will be taken. We'll we'll be we'll, you know we'll be seeing you know. And parallel to this, I mean, the team is playing horrible, um, and they have a number of players in COVID protocol, but they're playing the Leafs tomorrow, so they should be good for a win, right? <laughs>
0: well. I mean, you laugh and we laugh about that. And I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I'm the first to admit, you know, when the Jets are in a tailspin, I get all bent out of shape, too. And, you know, we come on and, you know, we talk about it passionately about, you know, what is going on with the team here. When things are going poorly in other markets, especially teams that I don't like, I do take great joy in tuning in to post-game shows um, morning shows where I know that the hosts are going to be absolutely unloading both barrels on the teams. I think I mentioned this yesterday. I listened to the Hawks post game after they lost six three at home to the Red Wings on on Sunday, and the big talk about the Hawks was you know was Jeremy Culton going to get fired like that night or tomorrow? Um, and what is what about Stan Bowman, who it seems like you know all Blackhawks fans have been done with for a while. Um, And the irony of this all is that those two guys could have been fired. And Cullen, of course, wasn't involved in any of this off the ice stuff. So we should kind of remove his name from this conversation. Um, but if Stan Bowman was fired for performance on the ice, as opposed to anything that happened on the off the ice, um, that would actually be a story as well. Bottom line is the Hawks haven't led this year. They've been an absolute train wreck. And now this coming out today, it's hard to imagine things being in a worse spot right now. Uh, Although Leaf fans might tell you differently. Um, You know, another miserable loss last night to the Carolina Hurricanes, complete with the troll job of troll jobs, David Ayers sounding the siren beforehand in uh, in his number 90 Canes jersey. Um, the Leafs drop another one, full blown panic mode right now. And the knives are out for the big guns, particularly Mitch Marner coming off that incredibly disappointing playoff run in the Game 7 loss last year. So, uh, but you know, it, it, in ways, Remo, I, I mean, I kind of said this last week on Thursday. You know, if the Jets can get a couple wins, right the ship, get back to 500. We'll get back to business next week. If it didn't go that way, I think some of the conversations around here would be sort of like the ones they're having in Toronto right now. But, um, you know, there's some teams that have had great starts right now, and I'm not sure if it's the climate we're living in or what right now, but it seems like the sense of panic and urgency amongst teams that have had bad starts far greater than I seem to remember in previous seasons.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree. And it's kind of fun to look at us, um, you know, this early in the season the teams that are at five and zero versus the teams that are having rough records. A couple surprises here, but uh, I kind of I kind of agree. I think the Jets were kind of headed to you know towards me hitting the panic button. I had it up here before it, it disappeared. Yeah. Once they won the home two opener, two wins, two wins. Panic two, button removed yeah, from the WST removed. interface. We it was starting to appear, but look, they started figuring out how to score goals. Connor Hellbuck's playing better. And again, I think they played pretty well the first game against the Ducks. John Gibson stepped on or not stepped on his head, stood on his head. And uh, I think we'll see a lot of the same same tonight. And you look at the teams at the bottom, I mean Toronto at 2-4 and 1. I keep taking Matthews and Marner on like DraftKings or you know props. I'm like these guys got to do something soon and you know, we're having Mike Kelly on later this week, and he'll tell you that you know the Leafs are generating chances. Uh, they're playing well. It's going to come eventually. They're just getting you know they make a bad turnover, but no I think one Leafs, cares. No I one think, wants to hear that. Yeah, none. yeah, Leafs fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't care. Um, they want to see results, and I think feel like they you know as much as we were saying here, the first couple of games. About the Jets or people, sorry, not maybe not us people in chat. You know, we've seen we've seen this before. They're giving up too many shots, or we've seen Nikolai Ehlers not get the ice time. I think Leaf fans are seeing the same thing with their team, being like the power play still sucks, or you know they're overpassing and not shooting and turning it over. So uh, I think that's going on with them. But you look at you know at the teams at the bottom. We're going to talk about Mokan, Montreal, one and five. That's pretty rough. Uh who is the other there's a couple other rough ones. Arizona, 0-5 and 1, they're pretty bad. Chicago, pretty rough. Vegas, I think a bit of a surprise. I don't think a lot of people had them one and four. But then you look at the teams at the top us after five games. Edmonton, five and zero. I mean McDavid, doesn't matter who's on your team, if you have Connor McDavid, and then you have Little, who's maybe you know, another top five player. Well, it mattered last year. They got swept by the yeah. Winnipeg Jets. Which, <laughs> hey. oh, and this is the funny
0: thing, and I was listening yeah. to J.D. Bunkus, who's been on the program before, and a yeah, friend we do work with, Cool Bet, as well. And J.D. now does the morning show on the Fan 590 in Toronto. And you know so much of the conversation comes back to you know, the big four, Marner and Matthews. Tavares and Nylander and, you know, Nylander has been probably the best of them all. I'm not sure if John Tavares is just sort of getting older and, you know, we've seen the law of diminishing returns, but let's face it, it's all about Matthews and Marner. I mean, those two players are taking up just about $23 million of their cap space. Um, And Matthews finally scored last night. Marner still has one assist on the season. And and the the background of all of the, especially the angst about Marner was the no show last year in the playoffs, especially those final three games where they needed to just win one against the Montreal Canadiens. But this really, I'm back. How about that for an ejector seat? No, we've had some unruly commenters during the uh, during our time on Winnipeg Sports Talk that have been thrown over the top rope. But uh, I, folks. I, is Michael Remus potentially a Closet Leafs fan? Did he not like me besmirching Mitch Marner and the way that he handled his contract situation in the aftermath of that or his play this season or in the playoffs? Because I do believe that was the first ever ejection of the host in the middle of the program done by the CTO and the producer, Michael Remus. Now, uh, <laughs> we're back here. Thanks to everyone that, <laughs> that hung out. Um, yeah, TSN. I think TSN and Bell Media finally heard you guys were back on the air. We're we are all good. Um, yeah, that was a, it. Was a technical snafu, which was in fact not really blamed on the computer. I, I think we can safely attribute this one to human error. Um, Remus, are, are you still with us?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I heard rumors of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast the other day was interrupted because Darren Millard tripped over a power cord. I don't know if that's true or not. That was the rumor on Twitter. But this was the same thing. I guess I was leaning my toe on the computer, on the tower, got too close to the power button, and then it asked me if I wanted to shut down. Thankfully, I hit cancel. But uh, I'll have to... I'll have to edit out that big, the big f bomb. There, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't realize I was still, I didn't realize we were still streaming. I was yes, happy. We apologies, were. apologies to everyone yeah. that maybe heard. We will try I, not to drop I, those on the show. I, I've looked at our YouTube age demographics. We don't have anyone under eighteen listening, so I think we're okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know what? There might be kids, you know, on different accounts. You can never trust that demographic uh, data too too much. Yeah. Yes. Tinfoil hat time. Who's sabotaging? Who's sabotaging? this show oh man um but yeah so anyways just I know we got a little discombobulated there Leafs are a disaster Hawks are probably an even worse disaster and um the Jets luckily you have a couple wins and uh people feeling a little bit better about this team going into tonight um so we will talk more Jets we're hoping you know depending on the morning skate happening right around now So we hope to have uh, audio from Coach Paul Maurice later on in the program. We'll probably do that after Dennis Bernstein. And when Dennis joins the program, we will get into Jets, Ducks, what's happening with the California teams, the Jets get ready for – Uh, for Anaheim, San Jose, and Los Angeles, the one team they didn't play of the California three the first time out, Um, and we'll do that. And then, of course, Mocon coming up in just a few minutes to get to the latest news in the Canadian Football League. Um, And by the way, we're going to get your take on this. Kind of a weird, we've got the trade deadline um, coming up in the Canadian Football League. Trevor Harris was already moved, but, you know, ostensibly from the Elks to make room for the younger quarterbacks that they thought they had a future with. Maybe not so fast. Maybe they just wanted to get Trevor Harris's ass out of town because uh, a trade today where they got Nick Arbuckle from the Toronto Argonauts, um, a very interesting move for that club to, to, to make it right now. I know there's a caveat in there that, you know, if he re-signs, the pick will be better. The guy from the negotiation list that went from Edmonton to Toronto is uh, former Clemson and old Miss quarterback Swag Kelly who's already tweeted out. He's looking forward to getting to the six. So an interesting move off the field today in the Canadian football league. And of course we should mention right before we get to talking to Mo, um, maybe the best news here in Winnipeg. I saw a tweet from Darren Cameron today, Reem that very brisk ticket sales early this morning. I think they did about 1100 in the first 30 minutes or so. Of course, season tickets are included for the playoff game. So uh, a nice start for ticket sales for the Blue Bombers. And I know it's going to be cold. I know it's going to be December. But man, this team has earned the opportunity to have this one game. And I think they've earned the opportunity to play it in front of a full house of fans. And I certainly hope that'll be the case on the 5th of December.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, CFL news to get to. Did his trade deadline. I don't think we're going to see much more from the Bombers. They kind of did their stuff last week. Getting Sergio Castillo and Winston Rose and signing um, Shaq Cooper. I find it interesting that the Elks are trading for Arbuckle. You know, ship out Harris. You bring someone in. And Arbuckle was the one who was a quarterback of uh, Ottawa before. But they declined to keep him and went with uh, Matt Nichols and Dom Davis. And I think that cost Marcel Desjardins his job. That was yesterday. And I'm sure we'll talk about that with Mo. And and you mentioned the Alouettes. Um, You know, they made the trade for Trevor Harris. And we'll be seeing them. uh, That's the Bombers' next opponent, I think, twice in a row. And we'll kind of yeah. have to wait and see what kind of roster or what kind of, sorry, maybe if the Bombers players to even play the whole game. You know, we talked with Willie yesterday. He said he wants to, you know, pad his stats, get some, you know, get some records. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. But there is a, there's a bunch of CFL news going on, even though the Bombers aren't playing. And it is nice to see uh, season, or not season tickets, the playoff tickets, West Final. I mean, when was the last time the Bombers had a West <laughs> Final? uh, Uh, I've never been to one in in my lifetime. No. And and
0: here's another thing, and we will talk about this with Mo, just his thoughts on the Bombers. I heard Naylor say today, I mean, you put up this Bomber defense against any defense of the last 50 years? 50 years. And that includes the glory 80s teams that, you know, we've kind of compared them to anything in the 90s, anything after the turn of the century. Um, Statistically, this is the best defense in the Canadian Football League since the 60s, and the game was entirely different back then. So um, this, we should have a great crowd, I certainly hope, but I will be there seeing a lot of great feedback in the chat of people that have already got their tickets today. I saw our boy Jeff Kabilis. I don't know if Kabilis is in right now, but he was tweeting it out. So, uh, yeah, we might have to bundle up, but this is Winnipeg, folks. This is uh, what Willie says. Come on down to Winnipeg, but you just get a toque and a scarf and uh, December 5th, it's on. Um, all right, so we're gonna get to this with MoCon. As I said, a lot more Jets content. We hope to have the coach a little later on with the late morning with the late morning skate and Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period. Before we get to Mo, want to thank Culligan Water for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have the Culligan man on board. And it's not just the Culligan man, it is family-owned celebrating 65 years of of being the water experts here in Winnipeg. And they do it all, water softeners and filters for your home, whole home and drinking water systems, Uh, bottled water coolers, bottle-free coolers, as well as water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Find out more on how Culligan can get the right water system for you and your family or your business. Find them online at drinkculligan.com. They're down at 1,200, Sergeant, or you can give them a call at 694-5180. And uh, a big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. I've mentioned, you know, the cold weather is just around the corner. Hopefully it won't be that cold on December 5th for the Bomber game, but it will be cold at some time, and don't be that guy that waits till it's minus 30 or minus 35 to realize that damn it, I need a new battery. You can get proactive right now and get the best price on a battery in town and shop local and support local at Manitoba Battery. Uh, the best price is, it'll save you the trip to Costco or any of the big box stores and it'll save you money. $89.50 picked up at Manitoba Battery with the core exchange or delivered within city limits 10950 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Uh, they've got it all down on Logan Avenue. You can give them a call 783-8787 or find out more on all the battery services, because it's much more than cars. Literally anything that needs a battery, they've got it there. Find them at manitobabattery.com And uh, I'll tell you what, those tickets are going hot for the uh, Bomber game. I know a lot of people pop by Royal Sports before the game on the weekend. Uh, they've still got a bunch of championship toks, some other great gear for the Bombers. Um, and it's not just t-shirt and jersey season anymore. It's time to bundle up when you need gear for your team, whether it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Winnipeg Jets, a team maybe outside of our area. Royal Sports has it all. And while you're there, uh, you know it is the hockey superstore for over 35 years with hockey experts working on fitting in and getting you the right equipment. They're there for that. Not to mention great winter activities as well, all at Royal Sports, as well as all the cool stuff on the Kings skate, snow and surf side. Uh, pop on down. Royal sports, the uh, undisputed heavyweight champion of all things sports, 750 Pemina Highway here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. All right, let's get to it. Always love chopping it up with Mo Con of TSN 690 in Montreal. And Mo makes a triumphant return back to Winnipeg <laughs> sports talk with a lot to get to. Mo, what's up? How are you, man?
1: I am well, Andrew. In fact, funny enough, before you reached out to me earlier today, uh, I was thinking about that this Bombers team and how great it's been. I've seen better Bomber teams in my youth when I was a kid watching the Winnipeg Blue Bombers under Matt Dunnigan. Those early '90 teams with Dunigan at the helm—I know they didn't win a great Cup, but they had some pre-lethal weapons on that offense and defense as well.
0: Yeah, the, I mean the offense—we've spent a lot of time comparing, you know, the you know those, those teams, um, and you know. One thing you, you got to win. I mean, that was, they were coming out of a, a period where, you know, they won in 84, they won in 88, they won in 90, and then, you know, some very good teams, some high-powered off offenses, but, you know, just weren't able to to get it done. Um, And then, obviously, a real drought, some bottomings out uh, earlier this year. I was trying to think of, you know, the last shutout in the Canadian Football League, And then I was doing the lock shop with Dusty today and we were having some fun with the fact that the Bombers, you know, you tuned in till the end of the game on Friday to see if the Bombers could both shut out the Lions and cover the over themselves just with their points. And they actually (laughs) did it. And I think you probably have to go back to the 2013 Labor Day game in Saskatchewan where the Bombers were embarrassed 52-0 by Saskatchewan. Why do I remember that? Well, I was there in the stands with a bunch of Bomber fans (laughs) chanting, all we want is a rouge in the fourth quarter. Uh, It didn't come. Um, But, man, I I mean, jokes aside, this is a a juggernaut team. And, I mean, I think the offense would probably be comparable. There'd be other more high-powered offenses that we've seen. But, Mo, this defense from start to finish of this season is doing some historic things. And as Dave Naylor pointed out, statistically, the best defense of the modern era in the Canadian Football League, dating all the way back. The the only teams to to have point totals against that compare, we're talking about the early 60s. And I think we can all agree, the game's quite a bit different (laughs) now than it was then.
1: Yeah, a lot different now than what it was. You, You know, we can use the term cutting edge, blistering ferocity. Uh, those are the type of terms I would use to describe this Bomber defense and what they've done so far this year. And and look, they play in the tougher division out of the two. I mean, look, Calgary knows has been banged up. Sass has been up and down this year. BC has shown some improvement minus last week's debacle against the Bombers. And Edmonton's been whatever. They are who they are right now. But I just think from the perspective of where they are, because are going to the final four games of the year. How does Michael Shea keep this team locked in, focused to get to the point they want to be, right, which is to be in Hamilton on December 12th to defend the Great Cup Championship that they won two years ago? And they're getting Montreal twice. That's not going to be easy for them because Montreal has playoff endeavors to play for moving towards the final four weeks of the season. But I just think right now with what they have in that locker room, if they stay injury-free, Andrew, I would pencil in Winnipeg right now to be the West rep in Hamilton on December 12th coming up in that part of the season
0: yeah um i mean they've they've earned it they've got a one shot i mean they're gonna have they hopefully will have a great crowd even though it's going to be december in winnipeg i imagine you know (laughs) it'll be the latest game ever in cfl history played in winnipeg into december um but it seems like this team's sort of on a mission And what's been so impressive is that You know, in the past, we've seen teams have great games, but, you know, they'll fall off a little bit. The Bombers haven't fallen off at all. And if anything, not only are getting better, but are sticking it to teams even worse. I mean, I didn't think they could have a better performance than they did going to BC a few weeks back, giving up only three points, putting up 30, and then to lay it on them, 45-0. On a team quarterback by Mike Riley, I mean, that just doesn't seem Possible considering what we've seen from a guy like Riley in his incredible CFL career.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at Michael Shea, it starts from him and from what he's built. And even Kyle Walters, you know, I've been coming on with you for so many years now, right? We talked about the Canadian depth that was lacking uh, prior to Kyle Walters taking over the GM role. And he's improved that. And you see the Canadian depth really shine right now with what they have. I mean, they go too deep at, at all the key positions. Um On that roster, and I just think that the acquisitions that they've done, especially last week with what they brought back in to bring some reinforcements to the artillery that they have, it just puts them at a different pedestal right now, Andrew, that look, they're, they're going to be locked in. But again, the, the biggest question mark, as we all talk about, as I mentioned to you right now, is going to be the injury bug. Do they suffer an injury at the most awkward time of the season where you're saying, oh, my bleep. What just happened right now? Are we going to lose out now because we lost a key player? So that magic perspective will be the biggest challenge for Michael Shane, this entire staff, to decide what do they do now with their key personnel because they'll have the bye week, they'll have this and that to work with, quote-unquote, here. So now the question is, do they keep these guys fresh or do they give them some time off to let them recuperate and regenerate their afterburners so they get ready for what should be a great cup run for them in early December?
0: Uh, what, what do you make of the East right now? Um, you know, it was quite interesting. And I guess we're going to see the Alouettes once the bombers get out of the bye week for a couple of times. I mean, the acquisition of Trevor Harris, Matthew Stiltz has really stepped up, knowing that there was someone else coming to really challenge. Uh, but with Vernon Adams out, um, the young guys actually stepped up quite well. And, you know, they're the Alouettes challenging for top spot.
1: Yeah, you know, Schultz, look, he's not going to be uh, a Zach Kolaros or, or Bo Levi or Mike Riley, that level of, of excellence. What he's going to do is that he's going to manage the football game, make the right reads, and let his playmakers do the damage. And that's what he did against Toronto last Friday here in Montreal, where where Chris Jones threw a lot of blitzes at him. I believe he was 7-15 for 15 facing the blitz uh, against Chris Jones, and he made the key throws when he had to. And I think a key factor for this Alway team to make that next step in order for Schultz to be the guy moving forward, Will be William Stanback. and we saw what he did again. To use the term "cutting edge," he was that on Friday against the Argonauts, and he destroyed and blistered that Argonaut uh, defense. And I think now moving towards the final four weeks, you bring Trevor Harris. I brought in the point, Andrew, that he could be or he could be the Zach Calows version for the Alouettes in case Schultz goes down. That hey. Maybe he goes on a run and gets them into the great cup and maybe wins a great cup for the Alouettes. But it's that insurance policy because, again, Vernon Adams probably won't play for the rest of the year. and may not play for the playoffs at all. So you bring in a guy in case that, hey, Schultz has a bit of faltering along the way. He could step into that process and be A-OK with what they're
0: running in Montreal moving forward. Mo Khan with us from TSN 690 in Montreal. Um, Mo, let's get to this trade today. Um, Arbuckle going to the Elks. Interesting to see that Swag Kelly apparently is the guy going the other way. The negotiation rights to him and he's already (laughs) tweeted that he's fired up to get to the six. Um, But what do you make of what Edmonton's done? I mean, the more and more you look at now that this trade has been made, I mean, it wasn't about getting Taylor Cornelius and Prokop more time. It was getting Trara Harris out of Edmonton.
1: Yeah, it, like Edmonton is a complete toxic environment, and it's unfortunate because they are a foundation piece of the CFL. I mean, Edmonton when they do well, it brings more eyeballs to, to the TV sets to watch them play, and to see where they are right now with the disastrous PR that they've had off the football field with the whole Joy Moss thing, and, and what's happened with the entire broadcast of guys calling them out indirectly and all that stuff with with Steele. It's been one of those situations now for Edmonton is that they have to reassess what they're looking at. If Nick Arbuckle's your guy. You got to stick with the moon towards the future of this franchise. And I just think for Brock Sunderland, you know, trying to get out sort of the supposed bad apple in, in Trevor Harris, maybe it saves his job. But right now, for this Elks team, for what they've built this last year, all the hype came in. Andrew, they thought, many people thought this would be a team contending for a great Cup spot. Now they're contending for the first overall pick for the next draft in early May. So they have a lot of question marks and maybe Nick Arbuckle could be a foundation piece for them, but we have to see what he does now because you know, when Toronto, he wasn't going to supplant the quarterback position because they brought him in to be that guy. And quite frankly, he wasn't going to be that situation in Toronto with what they have so
0: far. Hey, just before we move on from the CFL, what do you make of the Ticats right now? How dangerous are they? Um, I mean, it's sort of weird to see them where they are right now in the standings, but you still know how much talent they have. I mean, are you still expecting another push from Hamilton?
1: I would, expect, I would expect they do have that push. I mean, Orlando Steinhauer has now the depth back with Dean Evans and, and Jeremiah Masoli, quarterback. You know, Brandon Baggs has been off completely since the start of the year, and, and you wonder maybe that year off kind of caught up to him and he's a talented player. Uh, they've had some weird bounces. Like Look at the losses that they've had um, in the last few weeks. Uh, the, the, the losing at the death to Toronto on Thanksgiving Monday. Uh, the play by Vernon Adams to Geno Lewis in, in traffic. You think about that, right? You, you flip those two losses. We're maybe talking about Hamilton being in first place. Montreal and Toronto now fighting for second, third, or maybe the crossover from BC in, in, this, in this scenario. So right now, I think Hamilton is definitely one of those wounded animals that is very dangerous going to this final four weeks of the year. And they could go on a run here because they are built. And look, where's the great, where's the great cup this year? In Hamilton, Ontario. They are built to make that run. If I'm Montreal and if I'm Toronto – I definitely would be worried because they can definitely go into their backyards as we as we've seen in years past, even this year with Hampton being Montreal up here in the five one four. That they can win a road game if it's required to do so, and maybe make the great cut through the back doors than hosting it as an outright number one seed.
0: All right, uh, you're listening to. Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, just while we're talking with Mo Khan, we're seeing Rick Westhead and a number of reports coming out on the Chicago Blackhawks situation. We will get to that in a few minutes, and we will certainly talk about with, about that with Dennis Bernstein, as well as what this might mean for Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff coming in just a few minutes. Um, Mo, while we've got you, a horrible start for the Habs. Um, cool. But a couple of former Jets sort of came in and stepped up, up. Uh, Tell us about Matthew Perot and Sammy Niku's uh, emergence into the lineup. First of all, getting into the lineup and the impact they made in the Habs' lone win of the season.
1: This might be the Messiah, right? The, the the white knights coming in shiny armor over here to help the abs. And like this 0 5 start. I'm not surprised that that they got to a slow start. I am surprised by the fact that they had that lack of injection of pace what they did. With pro Nico Nico in the lineup, they brought some different element here, more edge to the game, more sandpaper to the roster. And the thing is, Andrew, you can't be relying on these two guys to be your change of pace of players here. The Top Guns, the, the Foley's the Andersons, the Gallaghers, uh, the Cole Caulfields, who's got off to a slow start, has to be much more influential. Uh, Alex Romanoff has had a terrible start to the year. Uh, Jake Allen, I know he's going to be the number one guy until Carey Price, if and when he comes back, uh, will take over between the pipes. This team has a tough schedule because now they go to the West Coast, play Seattle tonight. they got the Kings the, and the whole California uh, uh, trio of teams coming up as well this week. So if they come back with only one win, They're serious trouble, Andrew, and that's why it's huge for them to come back with at least six out of eight points. They keep themselves within striking distance until Price assumes a goaltending role at some point during the season.
0: Well, and of course, they got the Kraken tonight um, beginning that West Coast road trip. Um, And meanwhile, I mean, there's a bunch of teams that have had really, really rough starts. I mean, the Leafs got a couple wins early, but I mean, if you turn on 1050 or 590 right now in Toronto, I mean, the city is burning um, but honestly, Mo, just while we've got you here, and I will yeah. put you on the spot with what's come out, but, I mean, essentially, we've seen Rick Westhead saying that Stan Bowman has resigned from the Blackhawks on the ice was an absolute disaster. Right. You add this, I mean, there is not a worse spot in the, in the National Hockey League right now, but... Whatever about what's happening on the ice, there's wins and losses. This story and the reverberations around the league, including potentially in Winnipeg, um, are without a doubt the story of the day in the NHL.
1: Yeah, I'm curious also with Mark Bergevin being linked to the Blackhawks during that time, if anything will come out related to him. And he said there was nothing at all that he knew about and that he had no idea what was going on at that time. But we don't know, right? If the revelations do reveal something linked to Bergevin, it'll bring the microscope towards him and this organization in Montreal about what could happen. But it's definitely a terrible situation in Chicago, what's going on right now, with what happened with, with the victims or victims involved with this whole situation. And now for the Blackhawks, the guy got clean up this major stain that will be with them forever in a long time. And look, Stan Bowman losing his job and there are others who I saw who lost lost their jobs. This is a bad look for the NHL and the NHL has to make sure that everyone's running a clean program and that there's that open line for those who might be feeling abused, physically or verbally, whatever it might be, to talk to those in need. Because, again, we can't have this happen in normal life as it happened with the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: No doubt about it. Mo, listen, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, Lots to get to today. We'll uh, chop it up uh, without all this cloud going on around us and breaking news uh, maybe next week or so because lots of football to be had. And, of course, we're going to see the Alouettes twice. So uh, certainly before one of those Al's games, we'll get you back with, uh, with a little bit more time. Absolutely, my dude. Have a great day, pal. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. There's MoCon. Give him a follow on Twitter at MoCon 19. Uh Winnipeg Sports Talk brought to you in part by our friends at Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and around uh, tools around and everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Uh, helping you create the ideas in your head, whether if you're shop, worksite or home. We know you love finding the right tools and equipment to build or repair things yourself. Two locations here in Winnipeg at Princess Auto. And of course you can shop 24 hours a day, seven days a week online at princessauto.ca. Um, might get a couple 1919s in the rack for tonight's late game. Uh, of course, you can also try out the incredible new double, which is a beautiful fall beer. And speaking of fall beer and fall events, it's Halloween weekend. Uh, Little Brown Jug's going to be doing a uh, some pumpkin carving as well as an outdoor spooky movie on the weekend. So you can find out more at the Little Brown Jug events page. And while you're on the website, of course, you can order the great taste of Little Brown Jug merchandise as well. Don't forget, limited quantities still available. The summer lager kegs at 40% off. Support our friends at Little Brown Jug. Don't forget, you can also book holiday events and whatnot all at the events page, littlebrownjug.ca. And uh, well, if you're looking for a, you know a great place to watch the game tonight, Boston Pizza is it. I had a brute last night. It had been a while since I'd had a Boston brute. One of my all-time favorite sandwiches had those, Quite often before Jets games, doing the shows over at BP. Uh, I was reunited with the Brute last night, and damn, it was good. And man, the Boston Pizza Lounge is a great spot. Was in there for a little bit of Monday Night Football last night. Tonight, of course, Jets and Ducks starting off at nine. Um, but if the game is on, it's on at BP with Big Sound and the Ice Cold Schooners Pizza, BP Wings, and the rest. And of course, you can order for it at home at bostonpizza.com as well. All right. I uh, wanted to get to that. I finished up a little bit early with Mocon uh, because, as I mentioned, and I'm sure many of you are paying attention to in the chat, um, the revelations of this report are coming out. Um, I'm going off Rick Westhead, who, to be honest, has been sort of the leader in this. Um, Remo, if you can, uh, just while I kind of read these tweets, if you want to get Rick's first tweet ready and we can play this, uh, the uh, former U.S. assistant attorney, Reed Schar, from 29 minutes ago, outlines the scope of the investigation into the Blackhawks. Would like to play that for folks. Um, Shar said he interviewed 139 witnesses, 21 players, and five of the nine Black aces who were called up by the team. Uh, Shar says Blackhawks, this is where it gets, uh, you know, well. Shar says Blackhawks officials held a May. 23rd, 2010 meeting to discuss the allegations of sexual assault. Those present included John McDonough, Stan Bowman, Joel Quenville, Jay Blunk, and Kevin Chevaldeoff, the current general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. Continuing with Rick's tweets, failing to report the alleged assault had consequences, Shar said, after deciding not to do anything to address the allegations. Then Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich later made sexual advances on a 22-year-old intern with the NHL team. Now that was followed up by the announcement that Stan Bowman has resigned from the Blackhawks. Uh, Rick also adds, worth remembering, the Blackhawks many months ago in their statement to defense wrote that the allegations of abuse and a cover-up had already been investigated and found to be without merit. And Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirtz has directed the team's legal department to try to reach a settlement with both the Blackhawks player and the former Michigan high school player who have sued one. Um, Joel Quenville, and this is another tweet, a response. um, The allegations in this lawsuit are clearly serious. I first learned of these allegations through the media earlier this summer. Um, so uh, things are very carefully worded right now. Um, there's been denials about many of the people that have been mentioned in this. And I, you know, I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to say anything that is not officially true, but I certainly believe that there were denials from Kevin Shevelday of being into that. So, This is, um, in a lot of ways, sort of the beginning of the next step of this, and it could have some very serious ramifications for people in the National Hockey League not currently with the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, I I think a lot of people, myself included, sort of heard the denials beforehand, especially someone like Chevy, who basically left right after that point to become general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. But this is going to be very difficult to, uh, to 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 run from if, as we're learning right now through this allegations, that, you know, Sheveldayoff was involved in that. Now, I understand once you're out of the situation, you're with another team, it's being handled by people ahead of you uh, and people, you know, at a certain point you're in that meeting. But all of your bosses are there. You know, it's being handled for it. But I, I have to be honest with you folks right now. This could have uh, an impact on Dayoff's future with the Winnipeg Jets in the National Hockey League. And I know for the most part amongst Jet fans, Dayoff's a very popular individual and you know, I think did a solid, solid job in the offseason of building this club. But this isn't about what's happening on the ice. This isn't about, um, you know, putting together a winning hockey team. If anything, I think it shows that the Blackhawks were putting together a winning hockey team at the expense of just simple human things that should not be overlooked that apparently were. And uh, I, I'm, you know, in some ways sort of stunned to be reading this as it comes out right now, because um, the 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 gravity of this situation, which I'll bring Remus back in here. Remo, we talked about this a lot during the summer. I mean, we got going on with Winnipeg Sports Talk, you know, through the playoffs and Um, You know, well, to begin in March, but, you know, we got through the playoffs and really in the offseason, this one, and I'll give Rick Westhead all the credit. He was the guy that was at the forefront that was sort of pushing this. Much of the rest of the hockey media didn't want to touch it. And, you know, you can speculate as to why that was. Um, You know, certainly certain relationships are, you know, valued when it comes to people doing their job and maybe they're protecting their livelihood but I'll say this about Rick Westhead. I mean, he has no, um, gives no favors to anybody in the national hockey, or sports in general, because he's a true investigative journalist, as opposed to some of the people that are covering the league and, you know, contacts and sources, if you will, are a big part of that. And, um, I just got to tell you, I mean, as I'm finding this live or in the air, this is incredibly distressing um, to know. And uh, I am, uh, I'm going to be very interested as to how the Winnipeg Jets handle this and what the backlash is on some of the folks that obviously weren't in control. I mean, Kevin Sheveldale was an assistant GM at the time and left very shortly there afterwards to become general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. But there is a stain on that team that won the Stanley cup. There's a stain on that organization and Coming out of this report today, uh, I think there's a stain on every single person's name that was mentioned in that. And uh, I don't like to say it, but the general manager of our Winnipeg Jets is in that group.
2: Yeah, very well said. Us, um, as again, the pre- people present in the meeting, John McDonough, Stan Bowman, uh, Joel Quenville is currently coaching Florida, Jay Blunk and shevel Dayoff. Interestingly enough, you know, a lot of people had speculated about Mark Bergeron, his knowledge. He, de- you know, denied knowing any knowledge. And this report would say that he was not. I think Kevin day off back in the summer said he didn't know about the allegations. But according to this report, he it says that he did. So, I mean, I don't know what this means going forward, but I, I don't think it's a great look for anyone involved who chose I mean, who chose, you know, not to report uh, the incident, chose not to do anything because, I mean, you know, again, if you know something like this, you have to come forward. And uh, Rick Wessett does give full credit to Paul Vincent, who's the, he calls the one of the few bright lights in the story, the man, uh, former police officer, he was a coach, uh, and he came forward. And and Rick says, without him, he doesn't know anyone pays attention to the story. And um, it's kind of chilling um, reading this, you know, the people who knew about, uh, you know, an alleged sexual assault and chose, uh, not to do anything. Um,
0: well, and this is, and dude, this is what I said, la- you know, last year. And I, mm-hmm. by the way, I think when I was speaking earlier about this, I mentioned 2015, I was just getting the, the cup wins um, mixed up, but it's happened in 2010. Um, and And the more I think about this, as as we've heard of the horrible stories of Graham James and you know, another one recently in Winnipeg, where the perpetrator actually just passed away. I don't know whether it was suicide or what, but um, that was just in the last few weeks. Um, you know, there's been horrible stories of abuse of abuse of players by people in, you know, uh, places of control in the hockey world for years. And you know, Hockey Canada, Hockey Manitoba winnipeg every single level of the game i think has worked you know to vet coaches to have proper training to put safeguards in place to have these sort of things not able to happen at the amateur level and then you think about it this is 2010 this is 11 years ago we're not talking about the 80s we're not talking about you know the 90s the 70s this is 2010 and we're not talking about minor hockey we're talking about in the middle of a playoff run for a team that ended up winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, if if this sort of thing can happen on a Stanley Cup-winning team, it can happen anywhere. And the way that it happens is people turning a blind eye to things that are you know, obviously illegal, criminal, with serious effects, and turning a blind eye to it to protect... The team, the crest on the shield, the logo, the organization to protect others, not protecting the people that really matter. And this is the victims. And, um, uh, you know, I'm sort of at a loss for words right now. You know, this takes me back to the conversations we had in the summer about it and just how, you know, disgusting the allegations were of A, what happened, but then what was allowed to happen afterwards. And... You know, by all accounts, Bradley Aldrich kind of left quietly and was able to get another job in hockey and did it again, To this time to a minor. And that's why, you know, of course, we mentioned that, you know, Wirtz was, you know, trying to get these lawsuits, you know, taken care of, settled. Um, because absolutely settlements for large punitive damages, I think, you know, are going to be on the doorstep of the Chicago Blackhawks. The other thing, Reem, I just can't, I can't believe is that now with what we know and the seriousness of this, and and you're exactly right. Paul Vince that came out and spoke on the record about this is the guy that made this happen, as well as digging from a couple people in Chicago and a guy like Rick Westhead. But if this has gone on and it took 11 years to find out and this has happened at the National Hockey League level on a team that won the bloody Stanley Cup, What else is out there that we don't know? And how many other victims haven't had the benefit of the courage of some of the people that did step up for them in this case? Um, it's, uh, It's an absolute stain on the Chicago Blackhawks, the National Hockey League, and on others that might not be with that organization that are going to have some very, very tough questions to answer going forward that could very well affect their ability to continue in their roles right now in the National Hockey League.
2: Yeah, this whole thing is, um, I agree with you, pretty shocking for something like this to go on in the NHL. And I remember, um, you know, I think we're ha- having Jeff Hamilton on tomorrow to talk about this. And I and he was, um, you know, he, he did his report, the stay in our game on Graham James mm-hmm. uh, in the summer. I remember him telling those stories and just getting, um, you know, kind of emotional. Anybody remember Paul Edmonds on the air uh, talking about, you know, his experience or knowing one of the players involved. And that was, again, that was junior hockey. This is... NHL and for you know high executives, as you said, have a meeting about it, and to not do anything to protect a video coach Brad Aldridge is it's unfathomable, Huss. It's insane that that would even go on. So um, you know, we're kind of people are coming in at the top of the show and being like, "Are you guys going to talk with us?" I mean, the meeting started right, so we're kind of just gathering gathering everything. I know we're having uh, Dennis Bernstein, who he's been tweeting about it as well. But um, there's statements put out. Stan Bowman resigned, so we're. we're but this is um, this, here, here's this, yeah. other, here. Here's a couple of the
0: other. Here's a couple of other tweets. I, ha- I have that video that, too. That um, inside. Okay, I yeah, cue that up and uh, we'll get that ready. Um, Bruce Arthur. Um, so you wouldn't think Kevin Chevaldeoff and Joel Quenville can stay in their respective jobs, and Chris Johnson. And this is just in the last 20 seconds. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman will meet with Kevin Cheveldayoff and Joel Quenville in the near future to, quote, discuss their roles in the relevant events as detailed in the report. And um, and Chris, just again repeating what I've said before, if you're just tuning in right now, the Jenner and Block reports is the meeting involving John McDonough, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, Jay Blunk, Kevin Cheveldayoff, Joel Quenville, And Jim Gary happened May 23rd, 2010, within an hour of the Blackhawks' win to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Um, Ben Pope has also said, and Ben Pope has been one of the guys that has been on this from the get-go, and we had been on the program in in, in, uh, in, uh, the summer, uh, the investigation found Bowman, Kaiser, McDonough, Jay Blunt, Kevin Shebeldeoff and Quenville, and James Gary met in May 2010 to discuss the alleged assault and took no action for three weeks. One witness said the decision was left in McDonough's hands, Shar says. So um, so Remote let's get to this is a video. It's just over a minute. Um, but I will mention to you, and Dow goes Brown, here's the quote from Kevin Shoveldeoff in July. I had no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything just prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Chicago Blackhawks. So that is a, um, well, that's a, and again, that also quite carefully worded. And I understand why things are carefully worded right now by everybody involved in this because some are protecting themselves. Um, and some are in you know real hot water, and I think that would include the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets right now. Here's the video from uh, the uh, the General and Block report that was just released.
1: has further alleged that the Blackhawks were made aware of the alleged sexual assault by Aldridge soon after it occurred and failed to act to address the assault. Over the course of the last four months, we independently investigated first, the conduct of the former video coach, Brad Aldrich, in and around May 2010. Second, the extent to which individuals affiliated with the Blackhawks, including those in senior management, knew about Aldrich's conduct in May 2010 and when and how those individuals learned about the conduct. And third, when and how individuals affiliated with the Blackhawks, including those in senior management, responded, To the information they learned about aldrich's conduct in may 2010 our investigation was independent and it was
3: thorough the blackhawks directed us to follow the facts wherever they led and that is
1: exactly what we did we were permitted to conduct an investigation independent of interference or influence
0: all right so there's part of that report um and I'm looking, you know, there are some people asking, you know, where is the where are the Jets in on all of this? Um, you know, the Jets weren't even a team when this happened. So uh, I can't possibly imagine anything happening towards the Jets as an organization. I certainly think there'll be some things happening to the Blackhawks as an organization. But the huge questions going forward that we will get to, and we'll talk about them, we'll hit Dennis with them coming up in a second and then we'll get to some of the other things happening with the team as they get out on this California road trip. But certainly tomorrow with Jeff Hamilton. I mean, this is a story that is just exploding right now in a number of markets, but especially here when it really deals with the architect of this hockey team that we're going to be watching playing on the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Um, so there is a lot to get to uh, as, we, uh, as we try to unravel everything coming out of this report now. Um, again, Jets are playing tonight in Anaheim. Um, you know, the morning skate is happening sort of at this very same time. Um, I know the Blackhawks shut down media today for their team, for the Rockford Icehogs. Um, We'll await to hear uh, whether we'll get any comment from the Jets organization, whether Coach Paul Maurice is going to be speaking today. I would imagine players probably know. Um, but all of that coming up as this story sort of develops throughout the uh, the course of the afternoon. Um, let's head down to Southern California right now and welcome in Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Dennis, uh, it's great to have you on the program. I always love talking to you. We we're going to be talking about this big California road trip and the third meeting yeah. of the year between the Jets and the Ducks tonight. Um, all of that really an afterthought right now as uh, the entire hockey world sort of comes to grips with what we're learning from this investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, we'll get to some of the individuals, including the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets in a minute. But um, I know we haven't a lot of time to process all of this, but I mean, uh, just what's your uh, initial reaction to um, what is being... You know, essentially, I think what many of us thought this was a cover up. It looks exactly like that is. Um, And Stan Bowman is out right now. And this seems like it's just the first of the dominoes. What was your reaction to hearing the report?
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Hustler. It's a cover up. So it was stunning. It was upsetting. It's a dark day for hockey in general. And it's just my hope that we continue to shine the light. And I know this was, what, 11 years ago? Like We we can't put human beings' lives and livelihoods over winning. And to me, that was the whole thing that, that the salient point to take out of it that the Chicago Blackhawks cared more about winning that, than individuals. And that can't happen. It just can't happen. so if we shine a light on this and continue, and I don't know if this is, my only hope is that if this has happened in other places throughout, not just this sport, but other sports, that we continue to shine a light and people continue to be brave enough to come forward and tell their stories. I think that's the only positive takeaway that I can take away today is that the hope that um, if there was wrongdoings and other wrongdoings, not just in Chicago, or whatever city you want to talk about, that people are, are unafraid or brave enough to step forward and say, yes, this happened to me as well. Um, that's that's my takeaway with respect to the individuals in Chicago. Yeah, this is, the, this is the only outcome based on the findings that could happen. Stan has to step away and Stan has to step away as the general manager of the U.S. Olympic team as well. Um, I, saw, I don't think he's mentioned that yet. I, I can't that believe issue. that didn't
0: happen already, to be honest. I mean, he had, yeah. they had been calling for like, how did they think this was going to end? Like, like, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like how we got to this point, how they waited it out. Well, let's do our internal investigation when all of this. I mean, if the guys in the room knew, I mean, it's not like this is news to. Like how Stan Bowman said, yeah, no, I'm going to ride this out right till the end of the investigation. I mean, it's unconscionable. And here's the one thing I'll say, Dennis, about what you just said about hopefully getting more people to come out. I'm afraid it does the opposite because we're talking mm-hmm. about a professional player on a team that's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They ended up winning the Stanley Cup Yeah. that does that. I mean, my first concern, I said this before you went on, but I'll repeat it for you, is that if, if this can happen in 2010 in the National Hockey League yes. with the team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, what does that say for junior hockey and minor hockey right. and everywhere? I mean, frankly, it's horrifying to think about. And then yeah. when you have a player, a National Hockey League player, a man, go up, tell his coaches, tell the organization that this happened, and we're finding out about the, the truth 11 years later, I don't know if that gives anybody a lot of confidence that going forward is gonna, you know, is gonna help things right away. It took eleven years to get this out, and think about everything that had to happen for us to get to this point. It's, uh, it is absolutely a stain on that organization, everybody involved in it, and, um, you know, knowing what we know now, it, 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 I, I just cannot believe that it got to this point. Uh, what did they think was going to happen?
3: Well, look, you, you talk to people and. In- you know, attorneys get involved, right? I think this is, you know, plausible deniability. You can use different legal terms with respect to what they want to do. And, and the first thing that surely, with a big organization, and it's not just sports. This is corporations in general, and happens unfortunately so much now in different walks of life that, that you, you got to figure. Lawyers get involved, and they advise their clients not to say anything, and maybe, you know, and you know, a husband. People thought that maybe this would get brushed under the rug, and. You know, thankfully, the rug got uncovered and we found out. We got to this very, very late. We got to the reality and truth of the situation very, very late. But I'm trying to be positive. But at least we did. At least we got to who was culpable, who was responsible for this. And now they're going to have to pay a price. I think that, you know, that justice did prevail. You're right in one respect. It shouldn't have taken 11 years for the right thing to happen, but it did. And again, you, I get your point, but my point is the hope is that some people can come forward when this, if this does happen again, I assume along some avenues, maybe not this court, but uh, I, I try to be positive about this and saying, okay, finally, the wrongdoing that was happened has been brought to light, and we can now press forward. And to me, it's like, what happens from this point? That, that's my, that's my point. Hustle. like, how do we handle this? How do we treat this? Um, and how do we root this out of not just sports but our lives? To be frank.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dennis Bernstein in the fourth period with us just reacting to uh, the news this afternoon, just in the last hour of the year, release of the, uh, I believe it's Block and Jenner report, investigating mm-hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks cover-up of the 2010 sexual assault of one of their players. Um, I guess one of the other huge questions about this, Dennis, that is, I mean, it's really difficult to talk about, but, um, you know, or, or, or you know, Put direct, you know, put people into the conversations. But hockey in general has always been a place. Like the hockey culture has been under attack for a number of years, about you yes. know, the the ad. And I mean, justifiably so in many cases. I think that there's some incredible people in this sport. Uh, I think that, you know, and in fact, many of the people that are named in that report, I think, have done amazing things. Um, They probably made huge contributions in a lot of different ways to the sport, their community. But the fact that this could be handled the way that it was handled by an original 16, one of the premier, premier franchises in the league as they were winning the Stanley Cup. And at what cost? We're talking about a goalie coach. Like, or a right. video coach. Like, yes. do we think that they weren't going to win? Like, you know, you kind of mentioned, and I, and I get the point you're saying, like, they did this in the in the, you know, with just the thought about it's all about winning. I'm not sure that handling it the way they did made them any more likely to win the Stanley Cup. Far from Correct. it, actually. Yes. Far from it, actually. And you know, you heard that from a lot of other players. Brent Sopel was quite outspoken over the course. He said every single player and every coach knew, people on other teams knew. Uh, and, and I guess my question to you, and this is going to be, I think, some serious reflection for a lot of people outside of this. You know, anyone named in this, anyone out of these markets that are really affected, is that how can these conversations go on when everyone sort of knew that things were happening? And so many people just thought, oh, well, yeah, we heard about that, but that, that's what it was. I mean, it is a, uh, it's a reckoning, I think, in a lot of ways for the way things have been handled in the past. And I think maybe some improvements have already taken place that we've seen over the last few years. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the shrapnel of this explosion are going to be far outside of the confines of the United Center in Chicago, Illinois.
3: Yeah, Hassan, it winds up the people that were attacking hockey culture, you're right, they're justified. At this point in time, it it, it was pervasive and everybody knew what happened through the room. And these are guys who are still playing. I'm not going to call out names, but the guys still that won in 2010 were still on the team. So I I think culture's got to change. I think that the the team concept of like you don't want to, you know, be you don't want to distract from winning a championship. Well, you know what? Certain times, certain occurrences happen. Like you have to focus on that. It's not just about winning at all costs. And that's the mentality of the sport sometimes is that just, you know, man up, get through it, whatever, like shut your mouth and do your job. Well, you know, like belish it, do your job. Well, sometimes doing your job is reporting stuff. And when misgivings and misdoings are happening, you have to talk to people and you can't swoop it under the rug. So, And you know what? I agree to Also, like reporting this back then wouldn't have made Jonathan Caves or Patrick Kane or Corey Corford a lesser player or derailed them from a championship. Right? Because when he stepped on the ice, they want to focus on winning, but not to do it because you think it's going to be a distraction. Distraction from winning a Stanley Cup, the first one in a very long time. It's it's a we it's not even a valid excuse. Like the, the reasoning behind it to me is not valid and it's sad and it's upsetting. And and like you, Hustler, like there are so many good people in the sport. I love the sport. And that's why, to me, this is. Like I'm crestfallen when I hear about this stuff. Like it, this shouldn't be happening because there are so many good people. But you know, when something bad happens, your first response isn't to be
0: to shut your mouth and not say anything. You know, um, you know, Dennis, you bring up a, a great point on that. And you know, we're sort of focusing on the names that are in the report, like the people that were in management positions. But you brought up those players. I mean, Jonathan Tays, one of the greatest Blackhawks of all time. Patrick Kane, right at the top of the list. I mean, they were young players on that team. Mm -hmm. Like, not only did the cover-up extend this story, but, I mean, these players were living with it through the entire time. They were seeing the way that it was handled by their hockey club. And, hey, they're great enough players that they were able to go and win two more Stanley Cups after 2010. But, I mean, now these players are left... You know, to answer some pretty serious questions, what they knew, how they went. And to be honest, this all goes back to the way it was handled by the people in power originally. And you mentioned a great thing about, you know, the Belichick thing would just go ahead and do your job. Doing the right thing is also part Mm -hmm. of everybody's job. And it seems like it was uh, a, a complete ignorance of that tenet of just human decency. And doing the right thing by a lot of people that have been named today,
3: yeah. And it, but if you came forward, what would be the consequence? Like your career would be at jeopardy, right? Because then then you would have to scarlet letter, not the people that did the wrongdoings, right? If you're on a championship team and you came forward and said this, like you're probably getting waived or traded. And right? so that's the consequence of a team that's so focused on winning a championship, and that's the, the number one goal here—not to make people's lives better. Like you just got to re think like you know we're in the toy aisle of life right like yeah. this is the toy aisle but now like this is real life stuff where people's you know, lives are affected and damaged like we have to really think about like what the importance is in, and yeah winning a stanley cup is great and making 10 million dollars is great but you have to have some compassion for your fellow hurt man and, and when these things happen you can't let them be subject to that so i think that's part of the issue that's part of the problems that we have to and i think over time and and you mentioned it wasn't that long ago you mentioned i heard you before i came on about the 80s this isn't 80s this is 11 years ago But we have to reset and rethink our minds about like what to do when bad things happen to people and just open our mouths and report them
0: now um you know what there i'm just going to get get this tweet up for you remus i know you have it up on the screen but i am going to try and bring this up um Char writes, and this is just a quote from the report. According to the Director of Human Resources, uh, Jim Gary said that during the meeting, Joel Quenville appeared angry and was concerned about upsetting team chemistry. If that is the case, and we haven't heard from Joel Quenville on this other than he denied it earlier on. Um, And again, I haven't read this entire piece and I'm not seeing Chevaldeoff directly mentioned to it. And he was in a different, he was an assistant GM you know, an Mm -hmm. underling of Stan Bowman, or of course, Joel Quenville. Um, But if that's the case, I have to ask, I mean, is there a way that Joel Quenville continues in his new spot in Florida as the head coach of the Panthers?
3: No, Uh, no. And I think it's up to True North and the Florida organization to issue statements today. Um, Just assess how they're going to handle this. But I I don't see it. I don't know if that's factually and that's, that's true, then you need to step aside. You need to apologize. You need to just become a better person. No, that's not it. Because the, the qu- and then now the question is that was eleven years ago, Hustler. So what else has Joel done in the last eleven years that may you know be in this same tenant? I mean, to that's that's my question. Like, what else has happened because you got away with this? Like, what's happened over the last eleven years? And that's my concerns. That not concern, but. People maybe come out and say, "Hey, you know, I was wrong too by these individuals or this organization." So that's it. It opens up a not a Pandora's box, but it. it I hopefully it's a vehicle towards getting to the reality and truth of what's going on behind the scenes
0: It's um, sports and life and business in general. Dennis Bernstein with us here. <clears throat> excuse me on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, You know, it's really hard to even think about this hockey game tonight or anything happening around the league when this sort of a bombshell drops. Um, How do you think the commissioner handles things going forward? Because, you know, he was quite clear. Oh, you know what? And there was a ton of criticism, Dennis, that this Mm -hmm. independent investigation was being done by the Blackhawks. And, you know, for all, you know, if we're going to get credit here, the fact that these people that were entrusted with doing their job seem to have done their job in this case yes. unlike people that were there in 2010 right. um, but from gary bettman's perspective who has said that he'll be speaking with quenville and shovel day and i'm not sure if there's other mentions those would be the two most prominent guys with other organizations now that were there at the time from a league standpoint outside of chicago um w- w- what comes after this and how does the commissioner in particular handle this in your mind
3: well, they've been, the NHL fined the Blackhawks $2 million for the handling of the situation. From an optic standpoint, I understand why they did that. I, I, I think there's got to be some sort of vessel or vehicle that when if and when these things happen again, like, that you have to get – like re- you should be comfortable reporting this stuff and talking about it and, and pointing the fingers at the people who did the wrongdoing. I think that's part of the issue, Hustler, is that is there really a vehicle or an infrastructure – where if something like this, there's a mechanism automatically that activates so somebody can feel 100% safe and secure and report this stuff. I don't think it's an evidence right now. I think people are je- jeopardized their livelihoods you know, the guys make millions of dollars playing this game. If it happened to a player of prominence, like what, what would happen? Like it, it, for some reason, you have to get the stigma off the person that was the victim and go get the stigma on the people who are the offenders. Um, I'm not sure the league is set up that way right now. Maybe that's Gary Bettman's mission and the league's mission is to make sure that it's a vehicle or a vessel that when this happens, if it happens again, that it's timely, it's accurate, and it's safe for the people that um, have been uh, subject to the wrongdoing.
0: Yeah, just another quote from uh, from Westhead. Bowman recalled that after learning of the incident, Quenville shook his head and said that it was hard for the team to get to where they were and that they could not deal with this issue now. And I mean, I guess I can understand a head coach feeling that way. But for everyone else not to deal with it, for it to go forward and then for it not to be dealt with or eventually dealt with in the way that it was, which was just pushing everything under the cover. Yeah. And Dennis, I guess the thing that is so I mean, there's liabilities involved in this. Well, from a legal sure. perspective, the fact that they did not go to the authorities like they were told to by Paul Vincent, like many people mm-hmm. I presumably close to the situation, wanted it to happen not only did they not do the right thing there with their organization and opened up the possibility of this going forward they let him go i, I don't want to say i don't want to say anything that was out but i mean it has been reported that i mean essentially with a good reference okay you're done with the team going sure. forward and then did it again to a minor. And at that point, I mean, that gets into some of these other lawsuits. I mean, the tentacles of not doing the right thing continue to go down year over year. And there's more victims than just what happened in the Windy City in 2010.
3: I think there's a wild hustle before we get to the the bottom of it. And just, you mentioned the tentacles, how far they extend and who else was affected by this. I I don't think we're at the end of the story. We're probably in the middle somewhere, uh, but I agree. From the top, like you said, th- this is a cover up. This is an organizational cover up um, that happened in the Chicago Blackhawks organization It puts a stain on the legacy of Stan Bowman, McDonough, everybody that had championships there. You, you, I think you understand today that it's not always about winning.
0: It's about doing the right thing, and, and the Chicago Blackhawks did not do the right thing here at all. Yeah, well, you know what? Winners do the right thing, and um, and 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 you know, people that winning in life do the right, right thing and for the blackhawks to i mean for the blackhawks know, yeah, they won that cup and then like and i i would even have time you know if they've set this guy away and said well we're, we're going to figure out what we do afterwards but we're going to get him away from the team or something like that mm-hmm. i could maybe understand that you know they weren't gonna i mean i wouldn't think it was the right thing to do but I would maybe have some time for, ah, they didn't totally handle it the right way. They took a little too long or they coddled this guy a little bit before they went and, you know, did what had to be done. I would maybe have some time for it. But the fact, Dennis, that they went and yeah. it's almost like they won the Stanley Cup and are like, okay, great. Well, we won the cup. All of our problems are gone. And, you know, quietly got rid of this guy only to be able to go and do it again is maybe the the, the worst of a long, long litany of egregious egregious m- mistakes and i'll call them mistakes i mean that might be the most generous way you can refer to them as
3: yeah i mean how do you vouch for that individual in good conscience like Talk. knowing what he did that that's 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 a major question how do you i mean as a person how do you live yourself life with yourself like that Do you really just you're that callous or don't care and just about winning, it doesn't really matter. About this is a bad guy, and you really shouldn't. He shouldn't be around. People shouldn't be working in this industry or pretty any other industry until something's done about his behavior. I mean that that's pretty callous, right? I mean you can't you let him go out and say, okay, all right, yeah, you know what? It happened here, but we're not going to really do anything from preventing it from happening again. So that's again, I agree. with you. That's that's pretty darn egregious
0: uh uh dennis bernstein with this here now dennis um you know we'll obviously be following this there's this is just the beginning i mean in some ways part of the tip of the iceberg of the fallout right. of all of this um you know so we'll see what happens with quenville and particularly here in winnipeg i mean everyone in our chat right now i mean it's all about the general manager the winnipeg's Kevin Shell day off and you know how does he continue the job if he's even able to what happens going forward But I want to ask you about the Blackhawks team itself. And we just mentioned that some of the big leaders on that team were on that club, have been there through this entire time, have obviously known what had happened and have been a part of it. This team was already a dumpster fire to begin with. I mean, they haven't led this year. I mean, there was a lot of people saying, watch this, Cullen and Bowman are going to get fired, ironically, for what happened off the ice, not what we're waiting for the report on. And now this comes there what happens to the Blackhawks team going forward? And how do you think players, you know, leaders on this team like Kane and Taves handle it? Will they speak to it? And, you know, I mean, not that anyone really cares about what this does to them on the ice, but I really wonder about that organization as a team, whether they honestly have to strip it down and, and, you know, what the future of those players is not that they'd be, penalized by the league i don't think any of the players will be in that situation i mean it went you know, we're talking yeah. about management and people that's their job to do that but it, it's going to be a, it, it, it listen jonathan Taves, one of the biggest names in certainly winnipeg hockey history mm-hmm. chicago blackhawks history yeah. patrick kane arguably arguably the best american ever i mean this is something through none of their doing is now going to be associated with them and they're going to have to deal with it as well. And I'm I, I, very, very interesting to see how the team and those players handle things when they eventually have to speak at some point.
3: Well, because, I mean, there are people out there professionally that handle crisis management, and this is a crisis with a capital C in Chicago. But I think you need to get a person there that's experienced in dealing with crises and, and guiding and counseling the players on what to say, what not to say, and, and try to, I don't want to say spin it in a positive light, but you need somebody in there that's handled situations like this to say, Hey, look, this is what you need to do at this point in time. Um, I I don't know short of, you know, what a Taser or a Kane could say this night that's going to satisfy everybody. So maybe at that point you don't really, you withhold making comments on it um, until you sit and talk as an organization totally and understand what you're, what you're going to see and what you're going to do going forward. I mean, yeah, or Blackhawks organization obviously is is, as you know, it's put out a statement. Maybe if you're a player, say, look, I stand behind my organization's statement, there was wrongdoings, feel bad about it, and we're just gonna to try to be positive and do the right things going forward. I, I don't know how impactful that can be with respect to that, but there's always now going to be a cloud of around this organization for the indefinite future with respect to what happened there back in
0: 2010. No doubt about it. Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. I mean, obviously we're all over this story. We're going to continue to be discussing it right through to the end of the program. I'll break for a minute to entertain the fact that there is a hockey game tonight. And I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I won't even ask you about the jets and what's happening with our hockey team coming into tonight. Um, but as far as the Anaheim Ducks go, um, you know, kind of a scrappy young team that we've been seeing playing so far this year. I and mean, they had a nice win against Winnipeg in uh, number one. But it does seem like this is, a, uh, this is a team that it's not really as much about this year as it is the future going forward. Yeah,
3: definitely the future. But surprisingly, Hustler, um, this team is scoring goals. Like the big question about this team coming in was what, how would they ever score goals? They had one of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense in the league last season. They're actually, scoring goals. they're getting up hella. If I'm a better, I'm betting the over on all the Ducks games now, until they and which is surprising because they have a representative defense, right? And Jamie Drysdale's a minus six or seven because he's a kid and he's still trying to find his way defensively. But to me, the surprise is a guy like Ricardo Kell has got four goals, so they've been better offensively. So, with a team like Winnipeg. You know, coming in, you would think this is going to be a high scoring game and entertaining. So, to me, that's the biggest surprise and takeaway from this team is that it's probably the reverse of what we thought. We thought they'd be losing games maybe two, three, one instead of losing games six, five, four, three. But there are more exciting games. And I think that's a, a positive for Anaheim fans. Put your right house on. This team is still two or three years away. You know, but Ryan Gislaff came back for one more season. They're probably going to trade Raquel, maybe Soferberg as well. So I think the recognizable names you see on this team is still going to be going out the door. Uh, but it should be an entertaining game tonight from a goal-scoring standpoint.
0: I'll say this. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny thinking about the over when you've got, you know, the top two U.S. goaltenders going <laughs> head-to-head. Uh, I, presumably, they're both starting tonight. We're still waiting for yeah. a official word on all of that. Um but John Gibson made quite a statement in the opening game of the season that uh, maybe yeah. don't just give that starting job to Connor Hellebuck so fast. Didn't go as well for him when the series shifted back to Winnipeg. Kind of crazy they're finishing the season series tonight in game six right. of the regular season. Um, but, I mean, you know Gibson quite well. It seemed like he was in particularly up for the challenge of going up against one of the other top Americans in addition to it being the first game of the regular season and obviously wanting a win.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a sense of pride, right? Playing for your country. I'm I'm not a big Olympics guy, Hustler, but I I get it. But for me, Connor of the sure. I'm an American. I'm playing Connor Hellbuck to win a gold medal. I'm not playing John Gibson. If Connor doesn't perform or he gets injured or whatever, uh, I would go. And John's a more than capable 1B. But to me, Connor Hellbuck's the guy. Nothing gets close, to be honest with you. And part of it is he he plays in front of him, better team plays in front of him. So his numbers are going to be better. But for me... It's Connor, like one, two. Three. I, I don't think it's close to be honest with you. Well, John didn't have a great season last year too much, but the team in front of him was
0: off. Yeah, no doubt. And, dude, to be honest, I think there's going to be two Connors from the Winnipeg Jets on that um, Olympic oh, yeah. team, and Kyle Connors, the other guy. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, you'll see tonight, and I'm not sure if you caught the last game, the last two games the Jets have been without yeah. Shifley and Wheeler. Yeah, And those are guys that have been... I mean, a road by Paul Maurice on that top line consistently for a number of years. And there's been a number of players that have really stepped up in their absence. And Kyle Connor is interesting, uh, you know, in that he was always thought of as a guy that, oh, he's a great finisher, but he's not a driver on a line. I mean, this is Mark Scheifele's line and, you know, he's there and he's a great complimentary piece. The way Kyle Connor's been playing with Pierre Luc Dubois, I think, has maybe opened some people's eyes, both here and outside the market, as to just how good of a player this guy is. And, you know, before it was like, oh, will he be on the team? The way Kyle Connor's playing on right now, I mean, yeah. I think he's raising his hand saying, no, I'm not just going to be on the team. I'm going to be a big, big part of Team USA in Beijing. I love that player.
3: I wish I wish he was in Los Angeles. They absolutely need gold scoring in LA. wish Kyle Connor was in Los Angeles. He is a a great player who's never going to be appreciated for the reasons you mentioned. There's too many big names on this team. Right? But Kyle's been fantastic. I love I, I love this player from the first time I saw him, to be honest with you. Like this kid's gonna be a star. And I agree with the kind of, it, it, sorry, It's not just the goal scoring now. He's proven himself that he's more well-rounded than just a guy who can finish, who can finish with the best. But yeah, love this player. I love his attitude, and just think uh Winnipeg fans are, are blessed to see him play every night.
0: Hey, let me just before we break, ask you about the other Cali teams we're gonna see on this trip. Um san jose had a really nice start four wins and i don't think people were expecting much from them um you know sometimes addition by subtraction it's hard for us particularly in this market to talk about the sharks without talking about the evander kane saga um but uh, what have you seen from san jose so far this year and i mean is this sustainable can they be going at it with top teams throughout the year or is this sort of a nice start where we'll get a, a regression to the mean in the next few weeks
3: I think they'll regress a bit, but have you checked out the division lately? It's not a very good division (laughs) hustler. I think that's the one benefit they get. Look, they're not afraid to put younger players in in there, whether it be Jonathan Darlene. I love William Eklund. I saw him at the Rookie Showcase in Arizona. He's a smart player, sticks his nose in at at the net. He's not the biggest kid in the world. So they're getting the benefit of some youngsters getting some good starts. And Eric Carlson's played well. And I think the biggest takeaway is Aiden Hill. And Aiden Hill's always had good numbers. Like, he's been 9-15, in Arizona for a bad team there. So I think the biggest revelation is Aiden Hill. I think they'll be in the mix because a good start, you can you can hang around in the Pacific. So for me, it, it is definitely surprising them. When they started on the road, I'm going, okay, maybe they'll win two games. So really nice start. Don't think they'll be at the top of the division, but could they go and battle for the three seed? Yeah, I think there's six teams that might be able to battle for the three seed because with Vegas, the way they're starting – Right, uh, it's up for grabs right now.
0: Um, is Evander done in San Jose? Um, and 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 here's something we've kicked around: Is Evander Kane's next hockey game in the National Hockey League or overseas? Great question.
3: Yeah, I, I would waive him when he clears. He won't report, and then you suspend them. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, who, who, I, I know there's a GM that always thinks they can do a reclamation project with players and they could change and. But, no, I, I I don't see it. Also, I don't see it. Definitely not re- – the, the, the players in the room don't want it back in San Jose. Like, the other stuff off the ice with the personal stuff, on. When you fake a COVID vaccination card, th- there's nothing more greedy than doing that. If, you, if if I'm a teammate, like, that's what you're doing, and now you can't play first of 21 games, like, that's the last thing I want in the room. It's the last thing you want to say. And the Sharks are a well-run organization, you know. So I, I can't see uh, – Platner, the owner bringing this guy back and i don't i don't see the landing spot i don't think there's anybody that desperate to bring this type of presence into their locker room to be totally frank
0: last one for you dB uh what are we going to see from the la kings who uh you know are another one of these california teams that have been an unfamiliar territory being in also ran and now you know in a full rebuild uh, have they made progress or what are we going to see this week
3: well, if you live in Los Angeles and you can shoot right-handed and skate backwards, they may have an opening for you on the right side of defense. Drew Dowdy's out with a knee sprain probably for probably three to six weeks. Sean Walker hurt himself last night. Looks like a bad knee injury. There's still no update on Sean Walker. Um, it's been a difficult start, right, and they haven't been able to score. Kopitar's been amazing. So if you're watching this from a Jack perspective, keep your eye on Jay. Buddy of mine, great start, but they are our one line team. They still haven't figured out the bottom nine, the missing two defensemen. This is a difficult start. This is a crew. This is really weird to say, Hustler, but it's a crucial homestand for this team. They're one, four, and one. They have five games at home. Like If they go two and three, or one and four, then you're talking about two, eight, and two. And the plan that Robita and Blake put in is not coming to fruition. And not only that, The second game of the season, they drew 12,000 in the building with 18,000 capacity. So that's the other challenge and the other issue coming out of COVID, having an organization that won six or seven years ago but not winning now. um, It's not good times now in Los Angeles. This is a crucial uh, homestand for L.A. If things don't go well, I don't know what they can do. But it's a team that just has one line and is really banged up on defense.
0: Dennis, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a busy day popping on some other shows. Thanks for doing sure. this. And uh, again, I mean, I wanted to talk a lot more about the Jets and the Ducks on the ice, yeah. but pretty hard to do that on a day like today. And uh, thanks so much for uh, jumping in right now with all this breaking news and having time for us here in the peg. Yeah,
3: I really appreciate it. It's always great talk to you. Thanks for the time.
0: Good stuff. There's Dennis Bernstein at Dennis ftp from the fourth period that is dennis bernstein um we'll have more on this coming up we'll get to the cool bet lines uh i do believe that there will be some comments from coach paul Maurice. i hope we'll be able to have those for you coming up shortly um do want to thank not autocorp for their support of winnipeg sports talk why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the knot team pop down and see them and the new winnipeg car lab over at waverly and mcgillivray or you can check them out online at not.ca. Of course, Canadian Club is our official whiskey and liquor sponsor here on the program. And they're also the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Tickets on sale today for the West Final. They've been going briskly. We might have to have a little CC to keep us warm at the game. Uh, you can always get the great taste of Canadian Club at IG Field. And of course, at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart, stop by on Friday for another marble race brought to you by Canadian Club with some great CC and Winnipeg Sports Talk prizes. And of course, Nick and Nikki, the Nick and Nicky DQ gang, they've been with us since day one, four locations in Winnipeg. DQ Niverville, D, well, DQ Niverville is just outside the city, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, the great taste of the burgers, fries, all the great food you love, but the star of the show is the ice cream, and uh, we do that stuff 12 months a year around Winnipeg, uh, and don't forget, you can hit them up on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba, and pick up a DQ ice cream cake for your next gathering order ahead, get it customized and have it ready for you at any of the Nick and Nicky DQs again, Instagram at DQ Manitoba. All right, we've got some lines to get to, but let's get Remus back in here as uh you know, I appreciated Dennis coming on, and I honestly did feel a little bit bad because at the beginning of the day, Jets are hitting California. Dennis is down there. We're going to get to all the stories in and around this upcoming road trip, tonight's game against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, but, Remus, as I mentioned, and I don't know, we did talk a little bit about it. Um, it's really hard to concentrate or even think about this game tonight in the uh, cloud that's come out of this report on the Blackhawks, um, uh, first and foremost for the victims, for, you know, the way that this was handled by the organization. Um, but also, I mean, now a cloud over the Jets organization. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I guess, you know, part of me being an optimistic person, we heard the comments from Kevin Dayoff and Joel Quenville, for that matter, and thought that maybe this was something that was, you know, in an office that, you know, was sort of outside of their purview um, but as I said, I mean, you know, with this report, it's not over here. This in a lot of ways, is the beginning for some other people that have been implicated with at least knowing what happened in Chicago. And, uh, when that's the case, it's kind of hard to talk about a hockey game tonight.
2: Sorry, I'm usually here to joke around and have fun, but this is, uh, pretty serious. You know, we're seeing a lot of, uh, people in chat, people, you know, Googling Stan Bowman and, uh, ending up here. So welcome, Welcome everyone, but yeah, this is you know you get definitely get sad um, reading this, and you know talk about what Dennis was saying, how you know they had winning at the expense of you know you know humanity or compassion, and like the the comments here from Joel Quenville saying you know they couldn't deal with the issue because it's so hard to get to the Cup final, and Bowman recalled John McDonough saying the Blackhawks might never never make it this far in the playoffs and like when to handle the issue. I mean, that's...
0: What's wrong that's, with these guys? That's so rough. What's wrong with these guys? Like, at and, and first, my point to Dennis, like, you think getting Bradley Aldrich out of there or, you know, yeah, calling the cops and having come down there is going to hurt their chances of winning the Stanley Cup? Give me a break. Uh, I mean, yeah. to be honest, that just shows how out of touch, uh, I mean, and I know hockey's a completely ultra-competitive business. Mm-hmm. And I know that the stakes are high and I know that these individuals work their entire lives to get to these points. I'm not diminishing any of that, mm-hmm. but how that clouds some people's judgments of people that have incredible amount of respect in this sport. Um, I mean, it's unconscionable. And the thing is, it makes no sense. I mean, to me, I'm like, wait a sec, we've got this guy in our organization that's happening on. I mean, he would be out 10 seconds after finding that out. And that would be the way we'd handle it. And we'd go on and hopefully win the Stanley Cup. But I mean, it may, you know, I mean, I guess it would be a more difficult situation if this was the head coach or something like that. I mean, that's a massive, massive problem or one of the players. But when one of the players are victimized by somebody on your staff and you brush that aside because, uh, you know, we've worked too hard to get here. I mean, There, it's, uh, as I said, I'm sort of speechless. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense to me thinking about it now. I don't think it would have made any sense to me then. The benefits of what they did uh, were minimal. And, I mean, again, it wasn't like these guys did what the assault was. But once they knew about that, you almost become complicit if you don't do the right thing. And how only Paul Vincent did the right thing is... um, I mean, that's one of the black marks that is going to be held by a lot of people in this. And, of course, Stan Bowman um, out as general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. And, I mean, the entire Blackhawk nation wanted him out earlier anyways. I mean, it almost was, you know. The, the other thing, Remo I can't believe was that, you know, he didn't resign earlier. Knowing what the truth was and assuming that the truth was going to come out. I mean, he had been called on by a number of people to resign as the head coach of you know, the, the Olympic team, um, and didn't do that either. So, uh, you know, I, you just wonder like, what did they think was going to happen? Like, what was, what, uh, what was the other way that this was going to end? I mean, it wasn't going to end well for anybody involved. And I don't know, I guess there's some people you just deny, 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 and then eventually it
2: blows up. Well, that bomb blew up today, uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks and everybody involved in it. Yeah, people are asking in chat, you know, is the report available? It is online. Um, Rick Westhead tweeted it out. I mean, R. Westhead on Twitter, he's got some of the details. I was just reading his tweets. You know, I've, you know, my wife is a big um, fan of gymnastics. So I was, you know, we were yep. following the stuff with Larry Nasser. And I mean, I watched all the documentaries on that. And it's kind of the, you know, very similar. Um, you know, like people knew they didn't do anything and there were there were charges laid against people who did, you know, who were complicit in knowing and not doing anything. But it's amazing to me that in that situation, I mean, it's a team doctor um, who people knew was doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing and no one did anything here. It's the video coach. But I mean, the NHL, um, you know, you think that we've been alive for so long us, uh, and the stuff has happened before and, you know, the appropriate actions to take. And clearly, clearly people in power did not or I mean, they didn't want to distract from the number one goal, uh, which is winning. And I mean, again, the quotes that I read um, that requested from Quenville uh, are pretty are pretty gross.
0: Here's the uh, TSN.ca. This is a staff. I don't believe this is from Rick Westhead or maybe they're compiling a bunch of the things that Rick's put together um, is saying that the investigation showed I'll read this entire thing. Bettman, NHL commissioner Gary Bettman announced today he plans to arrange personal meetings in the near future with Panthers head coach Joel Quenville and Jets general manager Kevin Cheveldayoff in the wake of the independent investigation commissioned by the Blackhawks into allegations that then assistant coach sexually assaulted two players in 2010. The investigation showed Quenville, who was the head coach of the Blackhawks at the time, and Cheveldayoff, who was the team's assistant GM, were made aware of the allegations in 2010. Along with front office members John McDonough, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, Jay Blunk, James Gary, and elected not to act during the team's cup run. The, the Hawks, who were fined $2 million by the NHL, we'll get to that in a minute, parted ways with Bowman and McIsaac, who were the only two from the group listed as still employed with the team. dayoff and Quinville, who are currently employed by the Jets and the Panthers, um, I. I, this is a quote from Gary Bettman. Uh, I plan to arrange personal meetings in the near future with both individuals to discuss their roles in the relevant events as detailed in the report. I will reserve judgment on next steps, if any, with respect to them. Uh, Sheveldayoff, this is the final lineup. But who has served as the Jets general manager since 2011, said in July he had, quote, no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until being asked just prior to the end of his tenure with the Blackhawks. So, um, as I said, this is the uh, the 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 story of the day in sports, I would say not just the National Hockey League, um, but it hits very, very close to home. And you know, I haven't been able to pay attention to the chat throughout, but I certainly have seen a number of people questioning whether Kevin Cheveldayoff can continue in his role with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I think it's very much in doubt right now. Um, and, and to be honest, the league, the league is one thing. Um, you know, whether, you know, there's punishments for Quenville and Sheveldayoff from the National Hockey League, I think is certainly possible. The other question is from the Winnipeg Jets organization, I mean, going right up to the top, and that's Mark Chipman and that's David Thompson. I mean, how how are, are they feeling right now? First of all, did they know this? Had Dayoff been entirely truthful with them? Had they known what the situation was? Um, and how do they handle it going forward? I mean, are they comfortable with Dayoff doing Because, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you right off the bat. I mean, they've got a great relationship. I think they're very close. I mean, dayoff has been the only general manager the Winnipeg Jets have ever had since coming back in this 2.0 era. And I think certainly I was the first one banging the drum on what a great job he did in the offseason in fixing the blue line, doing the things that they needed to do to, you know, hopefully give us a team that our city and our province can be excited about and, you know, can challenge in the central division and can, you know, be, be something that everyone is proud of. Um you know, when you learn things like this, for someone that I think many of us, myself included, have a great amount of admiration for, have always appreciated him. I mean, I will tell you that, you know, when I went through my tough time last year, uh, was in the hospital, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff was checking in. He was, you know, calling and texting. And that meant a lot to me. Uh, and, and, and And I'll always be thankful for that. But those sort of things, you know, unfortunately get completely obscured when you're involved or implicated in anything related to a cover-up when it comes to something like sexual assault. And as I sit here today, and I mean, maybe I'll feel differently tomorrow. Maybe we'll have some more information that'll come out. Um, I would have loved to have had an hour or two between learning about this before coming on the air today. But I'm just giving it to you straight. Uh, I, I'm not sure how how they continue going forward without, you know, and maybe there's a suspension, maybe there's something that goes on and the organization feels comfortable that, you know, he can continue in his role here. Um, but I'm not sure that that's the case. I don't think any of us know, and I know there's hot takes on both sides going on in the chat, and that'll be the case on social media as well. Um, there's really a few key players when it comes to this. The commissioner of the National Hockey League is at the top of the list. Um, But outside of Gary Bettman and Gary Bettman's office, it's the people running the Winnipeg Jets. And, uh, you know, for all the great things that Kevin Chevalier has done here in this community, uh, being a part of one of the most exciting times in sports history with the return of a hockey team that we thought we lost forever and everything that came with it, it would be an absolute tragedy uh, for a... um, for a, a terrible lapse in judgment. Um, and, and, and again, you know, I, I, I should mention that, you know, he was the assistant. I mean, part of me thinks that, I mean, if you're there and you know that your bosses are there, they're handling things. I mean, what 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 are you supposed to do? I mean, everyone knows. What are you going to do it yourself? Paul Vincent's already gone. They've said what they do and that, you know, you're not really one of the decision makers. So to be honest, there's part of me that feels sorry for Kevin dayoff that he's been put in this terrible situation, but that doesn't change the fact that his name is right there in that, in that uh, report today, and that people from around the hockey world will be associating him and Joel Quenville with what happened, probably way more so Quenville considering what we've read so far, and that, um, and that this wasn't just going to go away with an announcement that the findings had come and Stan Bowman stepping aside and the Hawks were getting fined $2 million and just going back to business. uh, That's not happening. So um, it's pretty crazy happening in the midst of a a game day and exciting time for the Jets, getting back on it, doing it without Shifley and Wheeler. And to think, you know, Shifley and Wheeler have been such mainstays at this hockey club for the last well, better part of 10 years for Wheeler and eight really for Shifley And, you know, we've had these conversations about looking at the team without those players and other people stepping up. I don't think anyone had really considered. I mean, there'll be people calling for everyone to get fired. I mean, fans do that. But realistically, thinking about the Winnipeg, it's hard to think about the Winnipeg Jets without Kevin Chevalier as the general manager. And um, uh, as I said, I mean, I don't have the answers, but I have a lot of questions. And I think a lot of you do as well. Um, and a lot of people outside this market and how this goes uh, beyond today, how it is handled today is going to be very interesting. And we'll wait to see I'll See if Remus, if we've got any words from uh, Kevin as of or uh, Paul Maurice as of yet. Um, but this is going to be a real black cloud around uh, everyone that, you know, and let's face it, the people within the Winnipeg Jets, both players, certainly coaching staff, management and fan base, I think have a real affinity and a connection to shovel day off. And this is going to be real tough to swallow. I think for a lot of people and uh, where it ends and how it ends, I have no idea, but to be honest, the only people that really do right now, if there is clarity on it are Mark Chipman, David Thompson and the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman.
2: Yeah. Well, well said, sir. I'm, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with everything. I mean, I'm going through, Rick Westhead's tweet, I have the report. Um, page fifty has the part about Kevin Cheveldayoff. and um you know, talking about that meeting that was that we detailed before. He said he felt shocked at the time. it was not common for coaches and players to socialize. He believed the allegations were serious. He further recalled someone stating that the allegations needed to be investigated, and someone would make sure the two players in Aldrich would be kept separate. and he sh- he recalled no other details. Uh, details from the meeting, and then there's other. Rick Westhead is he's kind of doing a, a great job going through the report and screenshotting. You know, another alleged assault um, details of Aldridge sexually assaulting a 22 year old Blackhawks intern, and that was after the management was told about the alleged assault of two players. Um, and he he posted a screenshot of of the report there. And then he also actually, Hustler, um, he reached out to John Doe One, and I will I will bring it up here. And his, uh, his response, I'm grateful to have the truth recognized. I know I'm not the only victim in this world of sexual abuse, and I hope my story can inspire change within the NHL and around the world. I'm still speechless, and here's— Here's uh here's this one. So he thanks the Jenner and Block and Reed Shar for the respect that they showed throughout the investigation. So Rick West i speechless too. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I think so many people around the hockey world are like, it, I'll never forget when we first started talking about this on this program. And the amount, like it just seemed unbelievable. And I I hate to say this again, but I mean, we've, especially here in Winnipeg. I mean, we've had, unfortunately, you know, Graham James is from Winnipeg. He started here in Winnipeg. Um, He, you know, abused players and left a, I mean, he was a sexual predator and preyed on many, many people, some that came forward and probably far, far more that never did. And that was a stain on the game that resonated at every single level. And there's been other stories like that. And, you know, the entire goal of people running, you know, right up to the top of Hockey Canada, you know, was to run the sport, but was to clean it up and make sure that this could ever happen again. And I still, the more, this is in the National Hockey League. These are men. This is 2010. I mean, I'm lucky I've never been involved in that situation. And thank God for that. I mean, I feel for the victims and I see what has happened to so many people's lives um that are victims of sexual abuse and sexual assault but I mean I could have never imagined it happening to an NHL player if it can happen there what else is out there at all these other levels and um you know it's it's embarrassing I mean it's a disgrace frankly that it took 11 years to actually get the truth out of all of this and there's a lot of people part and parcel in that and I think And again, it's easy to, you know, be talking a lot about Chevy today. Um, You know, as again, he was in a little bit of a different situation than Joel Quenville, certainly in Stan Bowman and some of the people up the the ladder. Um, But again, uh, I mean, the fact that this took place and the fact that, you know, really clarity on this is only coming out 11 years later, while from all accounts, Everyone knew that it happened. I mean, maybe we think of these things differently now, but again, this isn't in the '90s or the '80s. This is 2010, and um, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope. Well, I won't even say it. I, I hope that the right thing is done by all parties involved, and I hope by you know, if there are people including our general manager, who I'm really fond of, um, that, you know, is is implicit in this, that, you know, it doesn't just get swept under the rug by a lot of, uh, by like so many other things were earlier in this story. And that's why we're here today. And frankly, I don't think it will. Um, but man, it would be a sad, sad ending um, here in Winnipeg. And I mean, Joel Quindle's one of the winningest coaches of all time in the National Hockey League. I mean, to have... Th- this is a stain that he'll never get by. I mean, some of these quotes that we're seeing about the way that it was handled and how he was the guy that, hey, we can't deal about this now, and that's how they decided to go. We know the coaches are very powerful individuals, far more than assistant GMs. Um, you know, you wonder what this is uh, going to do, uh, do going forward. I mean, I... Uh, Oh Remus, I have a feeling that this is just basically the tip of the iceberg. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any um, word on uh, whether the coach has spoken yet, and whether we're going to be hearing anything from the Winnipeg Jets? I haven't.
2: Sorry, I haven't seen anything yet. I was pulling up Marat's tweets just as you know we can get to the Jets' lines and stuff. You know, we'll get there eventually. But he uh, tweeted out Chevy's quotes. From July 22, he said, "I had no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything just prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Blackhawks." After confirming that he had no prior knowledge of anything, he had no further involvement. As it is a legal matter before the courts, he'll not be making any further comment. So, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to make of that statement, knowing knowing what we know yeah. now. I don't. I, there's a lot of words there.
0: No, no, there is. Um, And, and, you know, because I mean, a part of it, I mean, if you're in the meeting, it's been addressed and the people that need to Mm. know that can do something about it that are in you know, if you're putting Mm. it up to your boss, I mean, when something happens in HR, you don't go take care of it yourself. You go to your boss, you go to HR, you tell them, and that basically it happened. So, I mean, I think there is there is one side of things that said, well, listen, I mean, I, we put this forward and gone through, but the fact that, that it went 10 years and then everything else that happened, um, including a minor being assaulted by this individual after leaving the Blackhawks without having to face any consequences from the courts or the police, um, you know, puts an, an even darker cloud on it. And unfortunately puts someone like the general manager of the Winnipeg jets in a, uh, Know, in a spot and maybe that's part of the reason why he was looking forward to getting out of the organization and obviously wanted to be a general manager in the league and coming here. But I just um it's a sad day. It's a sad day for hockey. Um, it is a, a disgrace on the Chicago Blackhawks organization that I'm not sure they'll ever really get over. I mean, they'll get over it. They'll have new people that have nothing to do with anything and they'll try and move past it. Um, but I guess the other thing, Remus, that I talked to talked to um, Dennis about was, you know, you wonder what this does to you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, right now. I mean, the team's already in a terrible, terrible, terrible spot. We know what Taves went through last year. Um, Patrick Kane, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, American player of all time. I mean, these guys have incredible legacies, and uh, I do wonder about what questions they're going to be getting and how they're going to be viewed by both fans in Chicago, hockey fans, the media handled going forward because you know as much as it's not their job to do anything when you heard reports that you know players were were involved and and this is why i got back to that hockey culture a little bit i mean it almost seemed like at times and hopefully that's not the case now but i can't be sure that it is or it isn't that some things are bigger than doing the right thing and that is protecting people and that is doing the things that protect the people in the organization and the crest as opposed to you know, a couple of victims that you know, as you just heard from the John Doe tweet, that probably have never, uh, never be it. Never, their lives will never be the same.
2: Yeah, and I know there's a lot of details um, coming coming out in this report. People are tweeting at them. I mean, you talk about players, and part of the details are you know, players were taunting this John Doe, you know, saying what well, you missed your boyfriend or something along those lines. And you know, again, we we've been we've been here. Um, Penny obviously haven't had a chance to, to read the whole thing. Um, we'll have to get to that, but I'm just seeing what's coming out. And I mean, stuff like that is pretty, uh, pretty gross. And, but I think, I don't know, it's consistent with the way the whole thing has been handled by, by the Blackhawks, uh, organizations and, uh, and hockey culture, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we, no, we, doubt. I've Stan Bowman's statement up. If you want to see, see that. Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I would like to see that. Um, uh, and again, if you're just popping in, um, this is Winnipeg sports talk. I'm Andrew Patterson. That's Michael Remus. We do this every day at one o'clock. Normally we're yucking it up. We're having some laughs. We're talking about the jets. We're talking about the bombers. We're hitting all the big stories in sports. Um, Today, as we went on the air, we were talking about bomber tickets going on sale, the West final December 5th, um, with a lot of excitement about the start of this road trip tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. And now this report's come out that, you know, I think we've spent enough time talking about it in the summer. Um, It was a terrible story to talk about then, but it had to be discussed. And... You know, I personally had never really got down the road with some of the other people that were with the organization that weren't there, including Kevin Sheffield Day Out, because we didn't really have any information. And as we've just read, there was a statement in the summer um, that, you know, m- more or less um, pleaded innocence or ignorance to it. And now from the sounds of it, we've got uh, some different. Here's the statement from Stan Bowman. Since joining the Blackhawks in 2000, I've been extremely grateful for the opportunities presented to me and proud of our accomplishments. This organization, beginning with the Wirtz family, has been extraordinarily good to my family and me. That's why today, after discussions with Rocky and Danny, I've decided to step aside. This team needs to focus on its future, and my continued participation would be a distraction. I think too much of this organization to let that happen. Eleven years ago, while serving in my first year as general manager, I was made aware of potential inappropriate behavior by a then-video coach involving a player. I promptly reported the matter to then-president and CEO, who committed to handling the matter. I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior involved a serious allegation of sexual assault. I relied on the direction of my superior that he would take appropriate action— Looking back, knowing he did not handle the matter promptly, I regret assuming he would do so. Uh, I am also confident the organization, the Words family, will continue to do what it takes to win championships. Blah blah blah. Deeply grateful to the for the chance to manage this team, to the players for their dedications, and to the fans for their tremendous support over the years. It's been an honor to have been part of this incredible organization and serve the best fans in hockey in the greatest city in the world. I will always cherish my time with the Blackhawks on behalf of myself and my family. Thank you. So, and you know, I'll tell you what, I mean, if Stan Bowman is maintaining that they got this, that first of all, that he wasn't aware uh, the uh, until this year, the, the severity or the seriousness of that, again, I mean, I don't know what to believe now. I mean, and I think everyone is probably in the same situation. I mean, how, how, like when we're hearing statements, like public statements, you know, how much of it is for PR, how much of it is truth, how much of, it is it written by lawyers? I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, but I mean, I guess they're kind of putting this on the, on the plate of John McDonough, who again, I mean, that's the way things work. I mean, you know, you put it up the, up the, uh, up the totem pole and, um, you know, it is to be handled by, you know, by other people. The problem with this is, and the statement that Stan just, you know, that we just read from Stan Bowman, is some of the other things that have come out about the meetings, you know, with Joel Quenville, um, you know, not wanting to deal with it right now. And how things continue to go through for the remainder of that 2010 playoff run. And then after the fact, even worse. And, you know, I could see, you know, for a couple weeks, they're focusing on going to the Stanley Cup final, which they were. I mean, this literally, I believe that the quote was an hour or so before they were about to go and, you know, they'd just clinched their spot to the cup final for the first time in however long. You know, incredibly important time and exciting for the whole organization. And you're right. Yeah, this isn't something that they wanted to be dealing with right now. But, I mean, you can't have a guy that's a potential sexual predator in your midst and not do anything about it because... You know, you might need him to, uh, you know, check an offside challenge or something like that. I mean, are you serious? So, I mean, I think unfortunately there's a lot of good people. Um, I'd like to think good people. I do believe good people getting, you know, caught up in this. Um, and certainly Kevin Sheveldayoff's name, who up until this point has been, you know, a great, you know, ambassador, serving Winnipeg, this organization, and has done, in my opinion, a pretty darn good job at building a quality hockey team right now. Um, you know, now implicated in this. And it's important to remember, he wasn't the GM back then, he was the assistant GM. So there, ah, there's a lot of blurred lines in all of this. But the one thing I think we can all take away, and this is maybe what I think everyone should figure out how it happened and how it never happens again, is that with everybody seemingly knowing what had happened, these individuals being involved in it, that they just, okay, we told the right thing and now... We go about our business with that guy still around the team. I mean, that told you all you need to know that that wasn't really being handled, and why that was the case. I'm not sure we'll, re- we'll ever entirely find out. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's uh, it is a uh, it is you know it's a horrible, horrible saga for the National Hockey League and the Chicago Blackhawks. And you um, know, as I said, there'll be games on tonight. The Jets will be playing. We'll be watching the game. We'll be seeing what happens. Um, but it's hard to speak too much about the game or anything else happening when, um, you know, this This is an absolute bombshell. And, you know, if you're in the Florida market right now, close to the Panthers, or you're close to the Winnipeg Jets right now, you're probably not thinking very much about the next game and dropping the puck in game six or seven of the regular season. You're thinking about where does our organization go from here and what does this mean for um, you know, two very, very important individuals in each, Joel Quenville behind the bench of a Florida team that is rolling right now, and Kevin Chevaldeoff, who's put together a team that certainly we've been talking about as the, you know, potential to do some pretty special things um, that certainly Winnipeg fans hope. But right now, winning games on the ice is a, a far, far cry to the massive L that the hockey world took today, starting with the Chicago Blackhawks organization. But there's some shrapnel that's getting a lot of other people, fairly or unfairly. And I think that will kind of come out over the next little while. And as to the future, as we mentioned, of Quenville and off, Gary Bettman will be speaking with them. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything that is, you know, etched in stone. I mean, if it took 11 years to get to this point, I'm not really sure there's going to be quick action. But, I mean, the big thing is, you know, the organizations, and I won't even speak to Florida. I don't know about their owner and their relationship with Joel Quenville and, you know, anything about that. I do know Mark Chipman is an incredible man of integrity. And, uh, you know, this is probably this saga, you know, wins and losses I know are very important. And, you know, he's an incredible competitor, But knowing him as a person, having worked for him for so long and the culture that he's strived to create in his businesses before the hockey business and the one now, um, this is going to be an incredibly difficult, difficult time. Um, for him, and there'll be some tough decisions to be made, probably with more information than we have right now, and I don't want to speculate on that. It's just impossible not to talk about it right now as we get ready for the Jets to start this road trip um, when, really, the entire hockey world still reeling from what has come out from uh, from that report. Um, Remo, un- unless we have... Uh, unless we have coach Paul Maurice, um, we can always direct people to the Jets YouTube later on. And I know they'll be doing games and whatnot a little bit later on. Um, you know, I, I, I'll let you know that, you know, there are a bunch of games in the NH, NHL tonight.
2: Um, Jets, of course, taking on, oh, do we have this remote? No, I don't have more. Ma- Sorry. Oh, that was playing for you. No, we don't. I don't have Maurice. That was from yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I, did, no, I don't. That was from yesterday. Sorry. I do have just the, from the press release that uh, NHL put out. So Gary Bettman, I don't know if you touched on this with Dennis, but Gary Bettman says he's going to meet in the near future with Joel Quenville and yeah. Kevin Sheveldayoff and will reserve judgment on next steps, if any. So uh, Sean Shapiro of The Athletic. Everyone is this is with the number one right now. This one, I mean, you can talk about how crazy this is. Um, Katie Strang just going through the report that Aldrich resigned when faced with the allegations of sexual abuse, but still was able to negotiate a day with the Stanley Cup, which is pretty, pretty, pretty gross. I mean, that's what And So it says, yes, uh, Brad Aldrich resigned when faced with. Alleg- I mean, we can just t- it, get you put up the the report they tweeted. I mean, I think Mark Lazar said it's pretty explicit. And but I mean, that just shows you how much the Blackhawks um, didn't act appropriately when they're negotiating, you know, giving him his, you know, what is severance and bonuses after that. And still, you know, he requested, they're like letting him go. They for should have been giving yeah. him
0: a ride to the closest precinct. That's, That's what
2: they should have done. It's, yeah. Oh, That's. with the cup. He requested.
0: Yeah, I, wonder, what, <laughs> I don't, oh God, I don't even want to think, you know, That's a sexual insane. predator with the Stanley Cup yeah, uh, just brutal games yeah. tonight in the NHL Calgary at New Jersey uh, Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh Vegas and Colorado that's an interesting one Colorado a huge favorite Vegas really struggling out of the gate today Sharks and Nashville Predators and then three late games I like these Remus Winnipeg at Anaheim that's a nine o'clock start Montreal at Seattle that's also a nine o'clock start and the Minnesota Wild at the Vancouver Canucks also, a 9 p.m. start. Jets minus 133 favorites on today's games. If you do want to lay a wager on the games tonight, you can get to CoolBet.com. You can use the promo code WST, and uh, you'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Use the promo code WST. Um, you know, I think that's going to be it. We want to get the podcast up, anyways. Um, it'll be sort of wild listening to that podcast of how you know we're talking about the bombers and a bunch of stuff for the first twenty minutes, and then things take a pretty dark turn uh, the minute all of these uh, details are coming out right now. Um, where. Gary Benton goes from this. How long it will take, I'm not sure. We do expect to hear from Paul Maurice at some point today. I would imagine maybe higher up the food chain from Paul Maurice. There'll be a statement at some point. Um, And I'm not sure when we'll hear from Kevin Dayoff or where um, or what the next step is for them. But um, the bottom line is it's certainly not over in Chicago As much as Stan Bowman can walk away, they'll be picking up the pieces. There'll be huge questions for the players that are still left over from that. Um, And as far as Florida and Winnipeg, two very important figures named in the report as having knowledge of this and what that means for their future. That will be a big story tomorrow. And Jeff Hamilton, uh, who has been... We'll probably spend a long time talking about this tomorrow, in addition to whatever happens on the ice tonight with Jeff, Um, because, of course, he was the one um, that had that, you know, incredible nationally nominated for a number of awards. That piece on Graham James, this is incredibly close to him. And, you know, again, those stories dated back to, you know, the 90s, the 80s. This is 2010. I mean, how how did this happen? And how did it go on for so long? How were more people victimized after people came forward and said what had happened? And um, now, as I said, it is a stain on a number of individuals in that Black Hawk organization, and um, you wonder what it will mean for other people that maybe you know were, you know, unfortunately, you know, not able to do much more than they did, but are now being implicated in it. I'm really not sure. Uh, I'll be thinking about it all night tonight as we watch the game, and I guarantee you we'll be talking about it extensively tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Thanks to everyone that was with us. If you haven't been here before, uh, usually it's a much more fun program. We'll be back here at 1 o'clock. Do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up and a like on your way out. Um, I would definitely suggest checking out Jeff Hamilton's Twitter. He's on the ground with the team in Anaheim. He'll join us tomorrow, but he'll be reporting he, uh, he did mention his last tweet uh, that the, uh, Paul, Madri- Paul Maurice will be addressing it shortly. We still haven't heard that. As soon as that's ready for it, we will have that for you coming up soon. But um, uh, I hope you all enjoy the game tonight and have a nice evening. Um, you know, let this, uh, let this all be a lesson. Um, you know, sometimes it's not easy to do the right thing, but if you don't do it, um, you know, eventually it will come back to uh, to haunt you, and unfortunately, in this case, haunt so many others that were victimized by Bradley Aldrich unnecessarily because of people sticking their heads in the sand and letting this continue. Uh, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to all of our sponsors. We'll be back tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night.
3: Oh my God.